Hello, and welcome to another episode of City on a Hill, a podcast about what it means to be a citizen of heaven and a citizen of the United States. We want to encourage Christians to find their tribe in the church and their hope in the kingdom of God, rather than to seek both in the kingdom of man. So with that, let's get to it today. Well, hello, I'm Eric Eastep. And I'm Scott Reevely. And this is the City on a Hill podcast. Welcome back. Before we get started, Scott, how, what are you reading right now? How many books are you reading? Oh, dear. i am probably got five or six that are going on. How do um, you put those, to, how do you choose those? Well, one of the things I do is I am always on the hunt for good books. And so I put them on a reading list on Amazon and... Every week or so, I go on there to check and see if any of them are on sale. Nice. And when they are, I snatch them. And so that's, I don't read them right away. Uh, I've got uh, uh, several that have just came on sale recently, but uh, they're n- they haven't made it on the bookshelf yet. Mm. Um, but I'm, I'm reading Shoe Dog about the founding of Nike, which is quite interesting. Okay. And I've heard that that was really good. And so far, it's been, been quite interesting. Um, I usually am trying to read some kind of uh, church history that not, it's not a church history, excuse me, but an, but an oldie, usually a Puritan mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. for the good of my own soul. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I'm, I'm reading something by John Owen right now and, uh, that kind of reads sort of slow and I just read a little bit at a time and that's good. Yeah, anyone who's read John Owen is, is nodding their head now. Yes. That, yeah. <laughs> those do it, read a little bit yeah. Slow. But it's, uh, but the thing is I, I, I want to have one of those going all the time just because mm-hmm. they're almost always good for my heart, mm. you know, and I have a, I have a devotional that I use every morning that has just a, you know, two paragraphs, three paragraphs from a Puritan. And, and I can't just, I just can't say, how much my heart has been warmed by that, even just in the past two weeks, mm. where they've just encouraged me to realize, you know what? Um, why would you not bring this to your best friend mm. in prayer? I mean, they're talking like encouraging you to pray, or why would you not? Why would you offend your best friend mm. uh, by sinning? And so, I mean, it's just a real encouragement that yes, in fact, the Lord is my best friend, and. And that I nurture that relationship with him like I nurture um, my uh, relationship with, with friends that I can see and touch. And mm. so anyway, that was just, that, that's, I kind of keep a Puritan book going uh, all the time. Um, what else am I, what else am I reading? Oh dear, I probably have to look at my, my bookshelf. Um, I can see you going through the mental bookshelf right now. I am. I, I, I've got, it, it just presents on the top of my uh, Kindle usually. But what are you reading, Eric? And I'll, I'll go look at my bookshelf right oh, now. Nice. How's that? I do a similar... It sounds like you do kind of categories that you always mm-hmm. have going. I do a similar thing and have, oh, I don't know, between... I think I have 10, and, 10 to 13 categories. Okay. So, and they're all... That might be too many. It, it, it could possibly be too many. Some of those are different reading groups I'm in. So, like I have mm-hmm. a great books reading group. So, there's always a, a great book... Um, like Homer or Plato or Aristotle, there's always one of those books going on in that category. And then I'm always reading a novel. Um, I took on the the task of reading War and Peace this year. So, oh dear. <laughs> so it's cool though because the the chapters are really small. So 
the, there's a particular time of my day in a particular spot that that book is read. And it's, we put the boys down and we, Leslie and I know this might not be a quick process. So <laughs> we put the boys down and I sit on the couch and I write a line in my journal and read a chapter of War and Peace, which could be like two pages, maybe three okay. pages every day. And it usually gets interrupted for five to 10 minutes, but it, it's like the perfect little spot to, to read. And it sounds impressive. I read a chapter of War and Peace. Well, it, I guess it does. That, <laughs> that's, that's, that's cool. Let's just say it's cool. not the reason I'm reading it. It's actually just really well written. It's just unbelievable. Oh, yeah. um, I usually have a history book going on. I just finished a Tom McCall biography. He was a, the governor of Oregon in the seventies and eighties. Um, what else? Some type of hobby book. So there's a, I have a golf course architecture book sitting in my bedroom. So that, that gets read in the bedroom. Um, there's, a, there's clearly others, but I can't. See, you did this to me. <laughs> now it's only fair, right? So here I've got my, I got my Kindle library open here. So I'm reading uh, The Art of Neighboring. Mm. I just read The Neighboring Church, which referred to that. So that's one of the ways I get my books is I, I'll read a book, and as they refer to it or the footnotes have it, I'll look for that book, and that's how mm. I found this one. The Art of Neighboring, and it's something we're going to probably be using in our church this summer. As, nice. as far as tools for trying to uh, build good relationships with your neighbors. So that's one. I'm reading uh, Effortless by Greg McKeown. And that's, uh, um, I, I'm enjoying that quite a lot because I'm lazy and I want everything in my life to be effortless. <laughs> so far, so good on that. So the first thing I do is I'll read this book. That's right. And that'll make the other things effortless, I hope. Um, I just uh, actually uh, got a couple books that are not yet published, which is kind of cool. I have some uh, connection to get stuff, and one's called Render Unto Caesar, and another is Preaching to a Divided Nation. Those are two that have to do with our podcast that mm. I'm hoping to... Uh, uh, I just started them a little bit ago. The Actually, the Puritan I'm reading now is not Owen. That was the last one. This one is called A Treatise on Afflictions by Thomas Case which uh, is really good. And I actually found that one through my the devotional that I told you about. Mm. And then, um, yeah, those are, the, those are the only ones I have started. I have several other. I sort of collect them partly for the podcast too to fill out some of my other um, weak spots. I've got a History of Christianity in the United States and Canada by Mark Knoll that I just picked up. In Canada. On sale, yeah. Mm. Um, Reading Revelation Responsibly. That's a, that one is actually has some good stuff for us here. So yeah, those are some of the the newer ones. The Old Religion in the New World by Mark Knoll. That one's uh, I also got that one new. So anyway, I got a bunch that I'm looking forward to reading. And if I could only have a beach right. um, to read these on, that would be great. Oh, that's good. I, did, I just pulled up my list too. I also do, I call it historical theology. So I mm -hmm. either have a church father or... Actually, I have a church father and a Puritan going throughout the year. So I'm, uh, Leslie and I are reading Loveliness of Christ. Mm. Is that Rutherford? I think it's Rutherford. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Loveliness of Christ. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's so, well, his words are delightful. Well, in that, I, I read that, I think, last year, and I was, that's not a thing. It's like his best, his greatest hits, sort of. It, it's it's excerpts from his letters. Right. I know. It's like there's his greatest the, hits. In, here's in a paragraph. Here, here, here's, a, here's one that just drips, honey. Just read this. Oh, it's That's so how good. it is. So, yeah, I enjoyed that one a lot. And then another one, uh, we're actually reading with the elders, Care of Souls. And that's, yeah, that's, that's really well 
well done as well as well. So I got a few. So one of my categories um, is I'm always reading a political book, and the last political book I read uh, and finished was Faithful Presence by Bill Haslam. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bill Haslam. I think so. Um, so I'm going to do a little book report. We can do that on the podcast today if that works for you. Yeah, which is interesting. I'm just going to say because of the nature of because of that title. I read a book called Faithful Presence about uh, the church not long ago also. So there was a, uh, somebody suggested that the church have Faithful Presence, mm. and it was a completely different book than the one you're reading, but mm-hmm. the same title. Kind of interesting. Oh, that, that is interesting. That's a, that's a community book of some sort, isn't it? I think I read that several years ago. Yeah, maybe. Um, so Bill, Bill Haslam wrote this book. Uh, the subtitle is The Promise and the Peril of Faith in the Public Square. Uh, he is the former governor of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. He was also uh, mayor, I believe, Nashville. I was going to say Memphis. Memphis, maybe. But one of the, one of those one places. Sh- one should know these but, things. you know, uh, not around here. Let's just say <laughs> that. So he is he's done the political thing quite a few times. Yes. And that was one of the interests for me. Um, a professing Christian who has done politics and um, has seemed to be successful with it. Uh, I, I really just wanted to get his perspective because I'm jumping into politics <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and want to know a perspective. Um, and I thought it, he just had a very, um, he, he confirmed some of the assumptions I had and also showed that it was possible because we've referenced mm-hmm. Sermon on the, the Mount several times because we've been preaching through Matthew and I, in my mind, have this tension between Sermon on the Mount and the assumptions about how you do politics in the world. Um, and Jesus is talking about being meek and being humble and all these things. And, uh, there, there is a way to do that. And I assumed that, but it's not like I've ever talked to anyone that said, here's how you're, you're meek in politics. And that's, that's really what he does. And his whole thing is Mm. how is the church a faithful presence in the midst of the political sphere. And man, that was pretty helpful. Okay. Um, and it, it was helpful to have some, he, he did, he did it. I, right. He's, he wasn't my governor. I, I don't have any, right. um, uh, like face to face interaction with him, but that book was helpful. Um, cause, and he was assuming a lot of the things we talk about on the show. There you go. He, that's show, true. Podcast, whatever this is. Yeah. I heard him, I heard him interviewed and and he did. It really was an encouraging interview that I heard because mm-hmm. he was trying to apply things that uh, that we only talk about. How's mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we're in theory, and he was in practice. You might say, and that's that's totally how this book felt. Um, it, he he was the practice, and we we yeah. I've I've theorized about that thing, and you've apparently yeah. put it to practice. Um, one of the, a couple of things he from the the political side. Uh, people being politicians or people engaging in the public sphere. He just pointed out a really obvious thing. Uh, Christians are the ones called to bring hope. And we have the story of hope. And it's not uh, Christians uh, using the political levers and thus bringing about hope. It's it's Christians have the, have the story that is hopeful. And just to have him say that, like, oh, yeah, of course. Of course we have the story. So So be careful what you do with that story and be careful what you— um, how you engage because you can, what was one of his phrases? Um, let me see. I have it written down. Think biblically about our politics rather than um, thinking politically about our faith. Mm. So 
he, he just warned against um, using our faith to get to political ends. Rather, we should be thinking biblically about how, how we do anything political. And just that, again, a lot of his stuff was, yeah, of course that. But right. you, you need someone to say it. <laughs> well, you need somebody to say it, and you need, to, you need somebody who has not lost sight of the Christian hope mm-hmm. in a political arena, because I think it's very easy to just, you step into a different arena, and now my hope is in this policy or this party or this right. you know, interest. And you know, to maintain Christian hope in a political mm-hmm. environment is uh, really worthy of my respect, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I... I, I was looking for some handholds because I, I want to be a, to put it one way, a sermon on the Mount Christian. Mm-hmm. I want, I want to be a, an ambassador of that, of that, of Jesus's kingdom. Um, and I want the, those character traits and it's mild pressure at this point, but I've already had people tell me like, no, you need to do it this way. If you want to win, mm-hmm. like you have to, you better just figure it out now and um, play hardball. Like, well, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. And he had a couple, uh, he had a, a quote from a friend and he, he asked the question himself, should Christians, shouldn't Christians be known for our humility as much as we are for our position on the issues? And man, that's my desire that Christians would be known for our character first, uh, because we, we reflect the character of Christ. Mm. And in that question of the, the pressure, he had a friend because uh, he was kind of dealing with that same thing. He had a friend tell him, your job is to run this race in a faithful way. This was when he was running for mayor. Mm-hmm. Um, but your your job is to run this race in a faithful way. God will use the election to let you know if you if your next job will be the mayor. And mm-hmm. his only responsibility is just to be faithful. Like, okay, that... And again, it's kind of a, of course. Of course. Well, <laughs> I mean, because that's not even a political thing, right? right. I mean... You need to um, be honest on with your resume, mm-hmm. and the Lord will use the interview process to see if your next job is going to be the one you apply for, right? Or right. any you know host of other applications of that. So no, I, I, but this comes with far greater temptation when you oh, have yeah. to be elected. You have all kinds of other temptations rather than just whatever's on your resume right. for sure. Yeah, right. You're you're jumping into the proverbial wilderness where yeah. there, there yeah, will right. be more temptations. Yeah. Um, he had another quote from his pastor, his pastor, Scott Sauls. Uh, he said, I have never met a follower of Christ who regretted obeying God. I have met a lot who regretted doing things their own way. And again, I guess I could just go through this book and write all the obvious things, but it, there was a bunch of that in this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, of, of course, this is the answer. Of course, this is the way you should think about this. Um, and then last one on the politician side, he said, the church today can and should be a people who are known for entering the public square effectively with humility rather than pride and arrogance. Um, and I, I think that just, it's not countercultural. It's, it just is so fresh to read something like that because the assumptions are, here are the tools for politics. They are pride and arrogance. They are um, contempt and difficulty and uh, anger and outrage. And he's just saying, actually, that's not the case. You can be, I think in, in one point he talked about, we need uh, humble and passionate people engaging mm-hmm. politics. And this is just another piece. To, to be humble is not to be ineffective. Um, and he was just cutting. Not necessarily. You can have a humble, ineffective person. That, that's true. Yeah. 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 And the thing is it to be, I, I think probably more to the point, to be proud and arrogant is not to be effective. Mm-hmm. In other words, you, that is not to be at least to be an effective witness or an effective Christian in the public square. Right. 
you can you can get the job done as a natural person mm. with pride and arrogance, but not as a Christian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and probably sh- short that doesn't even give you long term results. Really, you just start burning stuff down. Yeah. Um. So he he had quite a bit of that on just the how to be a politician, how to how to not even just a politician, not even an elected official, but just engaged in the public sphere, which we've talked about quite a bit in this show. So it was. Uh, reiterating and, and reinforcing at a practical level a lot of that stuff, mm-hmm. which I thought was great. Um, Sounds like he would be a good mentor for somebody running for office. Oh, there you there. go. Yeah. Hey, Bill. <laughs> uh, another piece, and I think you mentioned you heard some of this stuff on on an interview he did, but mm-hmm. he talked a, f- a fair amount about religious liberty, which is a hot topic in in these circles. Um, and one of the interesting things he did while in office as the governor, the I'm not exactly sure how their legislature works, but uh, I assume it's very similar to Oregon, where uh, a bill went through the the House and a bill went, and then it went through the Senate, and it was to make the Bible the official book of the state book, the state book like of the Tennessee, state, like the state bird, the right. state flower, or whatever, right? Right. Yeah. And the church goes, ah, yeah, um, and to even to even get that bill um, to completion, they had to describe this book, the, the this book, the Bible, as um, not uh, not a sacred text. It's a it's a historical text. It's a mm-hmm. uh, it's an important book because they're basis of law and things like that. Um, and and you can make an argument about that for Western civilization, uh, but he actually vetoed the bill, which I <laughs> thought was was interesting and and frankly laudable. Um, but one of his reasons was that, no, this is not just a book and I'm not going to agree with your reasoning. This is a sacred text. Mm-hmm. And if it's a sacred text, then it cannot be the official book of Tennessee, um, uh, because you can't establish religion. You right. can't, you can't do this. The constitution says that. Well, and you can't have it both ways, which I think is right. kind of, right. see, and I, I think that's one of the things that's a real temptation for the church is to think we can have it both ways. We can have the the church, the Bible as a history, or the the Christianity as a history of America, right. or whatever. And but if you do that, you have to um, essentially cut out so much of the Bible, cut out so much of your Christian faith mm-hmm. that what's left isn't worth fighting for. Right. Yeah. Right. And he he really reminded me, and re- I mean we've we've talked about this fair amount, but. Uh, he, he quoted, our founders recognized that when the church and state were combined, it was the church that suffered in the long run. And a, a lot of a lot of American history is, we, we always talk about the pilgrims coming over. They're coming over for religious liberty reasons. And thus, one of the things they were most, uh, a lot of the religions in America were most favorable toward was was that separation. Yeah, let's not have, let's have religious liberty, meaning the, the state doesn't get to define what, the church does or well, establish it, the religion of, of the states. Yeah. It took a, it took them quite a bit to get there though. I mean, they yeah. came over not hoping for, you know, all religions to be equal in the sight of the law. They came over thinking, let's have our religion <laughs> be the next one. And then, but thankfully they did arrive at a, uh, a way to look at not establishing their religion, which was a struggle then when there were others, mm-hmm. and that, that's been a struggle 
entire history of America, really. Oh, yeah. But thankfully— And will continue to be. And as recently as this bill, right? Right. I mean, seriously, (laughs) that's what this bill is. And he did just deal with it there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, interesting. So that was a good—that wasn't the majority of the book, but that was definitely interesting. And and I I felt like doing a—he was— faithful in the application of even just the constitution uh, of the the found not just founding documents governmental documents here's how we're going to organize ourselves as a people um and it seemed like he he had both of those things in proper tension well but think about the the tempt again i mean i'm appreciating you talking about this book because i'm just imagining the temptation Mm. the temptation here is all i mean this passed the house and the senate full of people who were well-meaning christians i'm sure wanting the Bible to be the state book, mm-hmm. and here you're a Christian, and you are the one that has the power and the pen in the hand. Oh, yeah. And to to read faithfully the, the Constitution and to deal with it in that way, I mean, everybody was, I mean, to get that past the House and Senate and onto your desk, that would be amazing. And then to, oh, my, I just can't even imagine the pressure <laughs> that would have been there, really. Yeah, that's some so, weight for sure. Um, kudos to him. Yeah, well done. Uh, the other, the third little nugget I would have from this book is he just talks about what a faithful presence is. Interesting. That's the name of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things, the passages he brings up is Micah six eight, which, really, if you want to be involved, not just publicly, but just figuring out how to love your neighbor, that should be the one. Um, that should be the passage. And it describes doing, you need to do justice to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. So he, in one of his chapters, just walks through those those mm. three things. This is, how am I going to organize what I do with uh, any political, not even political, any public engagement? What, is it, what does it mean to be um, faithful and present? It, it's the people that seek justice. It's the people that love kindness. He, he used a different translation, mercy, mm. uh, love mercy. Um, and then to walk humbly, which you put all those together, that's a great package <laughs> of, yeah. of presence. Um, and then the other, I think it matched up with the humility piece, was just another warning that government is a lot better at fixing potholes than than we are at fixing hearts. Um, and I think that goes back to who holds the hope. Christians hold the hope. Christians hold the gospel. And I, I think... There's a there's a constant temptation, and not just a not just a, a temptation for politicians. I think for everyone, there are what seem to be effective levers of change or coercion or um, uh, uh, pressure for people in the governmental those governmental levers. And we think, oh, if we can grab these levers and move them our direction, we can change people's hearts. And that's just not true. Those levers are are very effective at doing things like fixing potholes and organizing how um, how we're going to divide up land to, to build houses and make sure that there's infrastructure for water and sewer. Like there are, are specific things that government is very good at um, and we, and, and it's very life affecting there. Mm-hmm. We, we experience it all the time uh, because we experience it all the time. We think, Oh, if I could just grab that lever, it's, it's a big, strong, heavy lever. I can, I can make it change people's hearts. And, well, you you can, of course. I, I don't know that I would assume that, but you can use a lever like that. And this is this would be an encouragement, I hope, for you running for office, but for maybe some of our listeners to get involved too. You can use that lever to do justice and love kindness. Mm-hmm. I mean, the 
So I, I'm just going to reflect a little bit of what I, uh, I also try and consume quite a few podcasts just on a wide ranging things, you know, because mm. I don't have time to read. Yeah, we didn't go wide, through a podcast list. That's a much longer list. Wide, wide, <laughs> wide ranging things. But I heard, I heard a, um, uh, a podcast the other day about a life expectancy and the fact that really life, the, the most, uh, one of the most dramatic things the last hundred years is that life expectancy has doubled since 1940. So basically everybody has two lives now, mm. if you compare it to what they would have had in 1940 on average. And then they said, what do you, what do you think is the thing that increased life expectancy the most? This is completely off your topic. I'm sorry. No, I'm ready. But it's a super interesting. They, I what, think what it's do you think increased? The life increased life expectancy? Life what, like what number one thing would have done it? I don't know. So uh, you already mentioned it. Actually, public works. Separating sewage water from oh, yeah. drinking water is maybe the number one thing that mm. increased life expectancy in the modern world. And, uh, and so... You say, well, I have a lever that I can do that. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. That has made such a difference. And then the, the other thing then was the um, policy and governance around um, med- medicines and medication. Mm. Uh, because it used to be that there was heroin and arsenic and other things like that in medicine. Mercury. They put that in medicine. And then some people, guess what? They would get better because that's what your body does. It gets better, right? Yeah. And they'd say, wow, we got to put mercury in all of this our medicines. This is working pretty well. And, but having, that's not the scientific method, folks. No, Just but saying. having you know double-blind trials and all of these new, mm-hmm. w- essentially, procedures for testing things has made them much safer. And so that was all in the news, of course, last year with vaccines. But mm-hmm. nonetheless, that is another thing, probably the secondary thing, this, just the methodology and the enforcement of that with governmental agencies that has increased life expectancy. So mm. all that to say, don't you know you can't fix people's hearts, and that's but that's considerably different than just fixing potholes too. So sure. anyway, you yep, should yep. be encouraged. No, I want to encourage good. you to keep after it, Eric. And um, and those things are are merciful, really. That's, right, that's, that's mercy, mercy. That's, and there's some just there's yep. justice there too. Um, yeah, and I, I don't want to discount the power. Um, I just don't want people to jettison the the hopeful story they have because they can grab a lever that seems effective, right. um, which we we both agree on. That's yeah. yeah. I don't <laughs> well, I don't good. want to just do you know sewer or, or public works instead of you know working with the gospel by any means. Right. Yeah. right. You're not going to tempt me with that. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and I think the last thing that I just again one of those. Duh, of course, of course, that's what you should say, but thank you for saying it anyway. He just said at the, towards the end of the book, our call is to be faithful, not successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and granted, when we are faithful, sometimes we may be successful, but the goal is the, is the former, not the latter. Mm-hmm. And, we're, he, and he, he references Jeremiah 29 a bunch, but we're, we're, sitting, we're sitting in exile, and, and the, the call is to be faithful while we're sitting in exile. Um, so... Helpful book, um, just helpful in the practical, helpful in the um, how, how do I sit in this world well, and how do I, if I engage even even more tempting environments um, for using power poorly um, mm-hmm. or using influence poorly, how do I do that in a way that makes Jesus look good? And that, that's what this book is about. So I so w- would recommend. Faithful Presence, The Promise and Peril of Faith in the Public Square by Bill Haslam. We'll put a link in the show notes. 
Oh yeah. Perfect. Great idea. (laughs) Didn't even have that. So that's my book report. Um, we'll do, we'll do some more book reports in the future. How about that? Okay. Um, for those future book reports, don't forget to subscribe on Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, rate us. If you find what we're doing helpful, a review goes a long way. We've been getting um, some emails that have been sent to comment at city on a hill podcast.com. And those have been helpful, um, encouraging, and we will probably use them for future episodes uh, with, with questions or things like that to come in. So if you have questions, uh, please send them that way. Uh, if you want to leave an audio question and uh, have us read it on a future episode, please go to www.speakpipe.com slash city on a hill podcast. And we look forward to the next conversation. I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying.